Welcome to Football Hot Boys, a show where two hot seamen talk about football, the LA Lakers, Zach Wilson's mom, and Madden. I mean, we could talk some basketball. We could talk some of... Uh, it is just us, too. It's true. It is just us. The, the mom and dad aren't here, so we can talk basketball. <laughs> um, but... I'm not scared of the Lakers at all. I just think it's funny. So uh, th- there was one signing that scared me where I was like, fuck, they actually did something right. Because like everything else, like you said, was it could be a concoction of a complete disaster. Um, mm-hmm. But the one signing where I was like, god damn, he's actually a good player, was the Kendrick Nunn signing. I hate that they got him for, was it two years, $10 million. I was like, oh my god, what? A, how and why? Like, I, I remember I saw that, and I'm like, that sticks out to me in such a weird way because it's not an old broken exactly he's a real he's a real piece like he's an actual piece that's why i was like god damn it and it's like if you go through twitter and like the hashtag free agency whatever it's just like oh this guy's still available lakers are interested this guy's still available lakers are interested this guy's still available lakers are interested i'm just like oh my god so it's just boring so there's something like that that i lack in my like not not necessarily sports knowledge, but I don't pay any attention to it because I don't care. Because again, yeah. I'm a Suns fan, so I'm James Jones. I'm going to general manage with James Jones, so I only follow yeah. like how we spend money and you know mm-hmm. what our cap situation looks like. So some other teams I might like know a little bit, but not to the degree of course to what I follow. But I look around the league and I'm like, dude, how the fuck do people afford these guys? You know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, we pay two guys and we don't have any money. We have zero dollars to spend. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially the Lakers, right? Because it's like you—they're paying three. Mid- you're playing, and Westbrook is one of the highest paid guys in the yep. whole league. He's making like forty-five million dollars a year, <laughs> How? Or some shit like that. How? I don't understand it, and I understand well, you could pay, you know, luxury tax. I know how. I'm not an idiot. I'm a big basketball fan. I know how things work, mm-hmm. but are they just okay doing that every year? And and I know there's only a limit. It's still a soft cap, like. You, yeah. you there's still limits there's a hard cap. Yeah, yeah yeah there's still limits to how much you can spend even when you go over that limit you know what i mean so i don't know man we we, we literally pay for two guys and that's it right now and we have yeah. no money we have no fucking money we overpaid Jam- we gave javel mcgee five million and everybody was ready to burn the fucking place down because we're like we can't even afford five million dollars you know so i don't know how the teams do it yeah because you got bridges and Aiden coming up here <laughs> exactly up too right exactly yeah well, and like even over in Bucksland, everyone lost their mind when PJ Tucker didn't resign. And they're like, oh, they're trying to stay out of the luxury. I can't believe we won one championship. They're not willing to pay to win anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, shut the fuck up first off. <laughs> Second, um, unless you're the Lakers, there's no team that's going to spend every year in the luxury. No one's going to no. fucking do that. No. It's like, you got to think, think if you were that billionaire with that money would you every year would it be like hey you gotta pay extra like me as a tax-paying american i get fucking pissed off when i get you know gypped on something so i couldn't yeah. imagine to that extent you know what Paying i mean 30 million dollars <laughs> for so nothing sign yep. pj tucker yeah it's like no <laughs> for his his four million dollar con three four million dollar contract you gotta pay 30 to 40 million dollars extra in nothing 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I really want to go ahead and go into the luxury so I can have a 37-year-old, six-foot-four <laughs> power forward, forward yeah. that, 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 that can't shoot and <laughs> spends a lot of time hurt and is shaped like an uncle. Like, it's like, and he's going to put check. five fouls on a game. It yeah, makes, it's it like, no. It makes no sense, man. And not to disrespect PJ. No, no, we're, anything, we're, of course, blowing like, it out of the water, but. Yeah, but at the same time, I I got not signing him. Like that made sense made, to me. Made a lot of sense. As soon as I saw him sign with the Heat, I was like, that also makes sense. You know, the whole thing, all of it made sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense is the Lakers. That's the only thing that does, it ever makes sense, man. I'm also not a hundred percent sold on the Heat just because. Me either. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Go ahead, but everybody else is. Everybody loves the Heat right now, and I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon either. Well, I'll, first off, maybe it's just because I just I'm not a huge Jimmy Butler guy. I've never been a big Jimmy Butler guy. Maybe that's part of it. But part of it is also just like, does Kyle Lowry have a ton of firecrackers left in him at 34 too? Right. And the way and the way Dragic has been playing for that team is like, hmm, that was a lot to upgrade Dragic. Was essentially what they did. And then they gave upgrade they Dragic. gave up the future point guard and Kendrick Nunn to the Lakers. So it's like they damn they gave up kind of a lot to get him and are they that much better i don't know if it was that worth it well and i i understand that like basketball contracts are weird too where mm-hmm. it's like duncan robinson got 93 million and that seems that. like an a mind exploding amount of money but it is basketball and so he, it's just like he takes kind like, of a lot of money he takes six yeah. to seven shots a game and they're all behind the three-point line yeah it's like i so I, I don't know. That team is, is, that doesn't scare. I mean, I, I love Bam. I'm a big Bam guy. Of course like, you are. He's like, a, he's, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that's he's your a big, type, goofy Miami. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Big center. Yeah, that's your type of yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. For, my, for Miami? Yeah. Oh, oh fucking Whiteside signed someplace. Uh, he did. did he sign? uh, hold on. I got uh, it. I got it. Hold on. Uh, was it Denver? Not Denver. Was it Denver? He's backing up. A good... It was Denver or Utah. Those teams Utah. It was Utah. My brain. It, it was Utah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because he's backing up Gobert. Yeah, he's backing up. Yeah. Those weird, like pastel mountain teams, always goo together in my mind. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. And they're like both the same type of good too, so they are interchangeable yeah. to us. But the good you don't have to take seriously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you, you sign us on Whiteside, yeah, and then all of a sudden, look the fuck out! <laughs> they're bringing a championship back to the Mormons. <laughs> there was a when I, when I was looking at the free agency list uh, minus you know today because it was. It's yeah. a little washed up now, but yeah. there was like a lot of depth centers, and I think we signed the right one in Javale McGee because of the defensive attribute. But all the yeah. other guys, I was like, oh my god, none of these centers can play defense. Like Hassan Whiteside, Ennis Cantor, and there was like two more where I was like, oh, none of these guys play defense. That's why they're because if you're a center that can't play defense, that's uh, hmm, that's tough. That, that's a European player right there. That's what. <laughs> He burned your roster spot for the Slovenian uh, national team, which you just did. I hope you like Turkey, the food and the country. Because <laughs> until you start blocking some shots, you are... Uh... You need to start feeding up on that turkey so that you're strong enough to play in Turkey. Because it's fucking cold there, so I'm going to put a little beef on you. <laughs> you have no choice. Well, oh, and, and like, again, my favorite thing was just like, for years and years and years, my, my favorite thing was just enjoying the comedy that was the King's front office. Yeah. Where it was just like, ah, you guys are always dumb and you're doing dumb stuff all the time. But I love it. That never changed Kings. Well, they changed and now they're a flavor of competent. And now my new favorite thing to laugh at is the Mavericks, I've decided. Because it's just like, it, it's the Mavericks just think that they can post up at the bar 
and then a championship team will just come and buy them drinks. And I just, I don't understand why they think they can do that. Because they, they were doing that shit back when Dirk was there, yeah. too. Where it's just like, just clear cap and LeBron will magically pop out of the ground like a daisy. It's like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. That's a good you point. You actually go out and court free agents. How they've literally done the same thing for, like, how long now? 20 years? 25 yeah, years? Yeah, it's, it's like, like entire generation cool. of basketball. We yeah. got the awesome Euro. Let's not do anything about it. Nope. And, and the thing was, eventually Jason Kidd did appear randomly at the end there and they won yeah. a championship. So it worked kind of one time. Yeah, minus that championship, we would be talking a whole differently about that organization. Like it would be uh, bad, bad. I mean, they'd be us. I mean, they'd essentially be us. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they're doing the same thing again. Well, they did the same thing the year that KD went to uh, Golden State where it's like, we got all the space cleared out. KD is going to show up and then we're going to win all the basketball events. And it didn't happen. And then they were just stuck in mediocrity. That's why what we talk about all the time is like, that's why we like have a soft spot for teams like the Knicks, the Hawks, because look at what they're doing. They're, they're They're scrapping, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fucking actually doing what you're supposed to do. And it's respectable. They're like, fuck man, we drafted John Collins. Uh, yep. Time to pay John Collins. New York's like, Hey, we're missing like an actual star point guard. Let's go get one. And, and, and it's building a team the correct way. Like you said, not just sitting back and trying to be the prettiest girl at the bar and, you know, KD signs here because we're awesome. I love that Derrick Rose got paid because I love Derrick Rose. That is a little bit too much pepper on that contract. But yeah. other than that, I loved everything the Knicks did. I mean, it, it, it sounded like it almost had to be that because a lot of teams have, like naturally were trying to get him. So I know mm-hmm. Chicago had some, um, they were trying to land him and I think a couple other good teams. Um, so yeah, the, good for him. I mean, I think he deserved, he definitely earned it the way he played last year. And but yeah, yeah, it is a little high um, for what is essentially a backup point guard in the league. Um, but I do kind of like Chicago. Uh, I like what Chicago did because like, speaking of scrapping, like Chicago yeah. out there, not only are they scrapping, but like they went all in on not only a guy but a system. Like the the Lonzo <laughs> signing was super interesting to me. Um, I did not expect that price point. I, I guess the market was there for that. I'm not sure, but I do like what they're doing. Like clearly they're going to try a, a certain type of basketball with him. Uh, Levine signing um, DeMar DeRozan was super interesting. And then you got Vucevic there. It's kind of an interest. It's a It's legitimately like a 2k pickup game what they have. And I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. I think I know what it's going to look like because I feel like they're going to like unleash Lonzo, which can be done, man. Um, not, not to be like, you know, a 20-point-a-night score, which he'll never be, but I think he's going to run a hell of an offense there. Well, and the Lonzo Ball was, I think, maybe the most interesting free agent, or what passes for a free agent in the NBA, uh, in the entire thing was because he was still, he was the young star potential guy. He was like the one guy mm-hmm. that was young and had a ceiling still, and I wanted to see, like, who was going to pay him, and, and someone did actually pay him. Yep. And it was one of those weird things because, like, the team who needed him the most was the team that already had him. It and got was rid like, of nah. Yeah, yeah I, I do not. The only team I am more confused about what the fuck their actual plan is than Dallas is. Yes, New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. Because they're like, they're not like cocky. They're just incompetent. Like they're just like big I, time. fumbling, falling down the stairs while carrying pies. Like it's like it's big it's time. And, and they keep doing shit like that where they'll like acquire nice pieces. And then it's like, oh, wait, why are they gone the next year? And like you said, 
Lonzo is legitimate. If you fucking could draw or build a point guard for Zion Williamson, how is Lonzo Ball not that fucking guy that you just built in the lab? He's he's not ever looking to score, but he's worked on his jumper to at least hit an open three here and now. But he he he's the he's he's the best one of the best. Let me take that back. He's one of the best fast break point guards in the league, which. That's kind of what Zion needs because that's how he gets a lot of his buckets is in transition and, you know, not really necessarily running a play for him. He's just gets buckets. You know, you don't, you don't like run screen and roll with him or anything like that. He just naturally gets buckets because he can rebound and, and he's athletic. And, and it's like, Hey, why don't we just pair him with an athletic tall point guard that passes the ball above way above average runs in transition. And then he's off the team. He's true. Well, and, uh, this will be the last time we talk about it before we move to football. But like, one of the things that I was counting on after this last year that we just had was, oh, the old point guard is going to go up in value because we just saw the two teams in the finals where two teams that went out got scrappy, salty point guards, and well, calling CP3 scrappy and salty is underselling CP3, but <laughs> um, it, 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 but they got you know veteran point guards to elevate the players around them, and everyone's like, and then so my thought as an optimistic person was the NBA was going to look at that and goes, Oh, it's time to bring in, you got to bring in veteran people into young teams that know how to win and can elevate the people around them. And like, and it's like, so, you know, veteran talent's going to have a bump in value because people see what it means for the intangibles of your team. Mm -hmm. What I did not expect to happen was a bunch of Dumbo idiots with bad teams thinking they were a point guard away from the championship. And that's, yes. Wow. It's, well said. That is exactly what New Orleans did. It's well like, we said. are Kyle Lowry away from doing this. So let's send two draft picks to Memphis so they can eat the salary so that we can afford to pay Kyle Lowry. Let's send our young promising point guard out. And then Kyle Lowry, again, like LeBron and Dallas, just pop out of the ground like a flower. And he'll be right there. And then we'll win all the basketball contests. Yeah. And that, that, that and that's... That was well said, well said. And, and what they also not realizing is like some of those guys that were treated like that are not those guys where they're uh, they're, they're better for a team or, or be- better for player progression. Sometimes they're just good players, you know, that doesn't make a team better. Um, and like you said, the assets that were given up for them were laughable because they legit, like you said, they clearly acted like they're going for it because they traded future and now asset young young talent, and it's like, dude, did you you clearly don't know how good your team is. You know that that was the situation yep. that a lot of teams did, and they miss they misread their their personnel and how because it's like like you said it's a copycat every every league is a copycat league. So it's like, oh, let's do like you said, let's do what the Suns and Bucks did. I mean, look at the Suns roster. They they had this, and all they did was add Chris Paul. And it's like, yeah, but he's Chris Paul. You well, know. Also, well, don't undersell Chris Paul and don't right. undersell the Suns. Right. There was a lot of right. stuff done there besides Chris Paul to make that team great. Drafted like, extremely well. It wasn't just well. Chris Paul, yes. and then everyone would yes. Yeah. Yes. Drafted the big man over the the Euro that could have like not to. That, that's going to be an interesting debate in like 20 years. It's like, oh man, they could, you know, the Suns could have Luka Doncic, but it's like, well, I would argue that as of in this moment of time, DeAndre Ayton is more important. Um, the, you know, the other draft picks and Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges and so forth. And, and like you said, there was already a foundation that Booker and those guys were building and they, they, they legitimately were a point guard away. And that's mm-hmm. what we got. Well, I also think some teams are trying to build 
a, a, a team like the Hawks is legitimately trying to build a team that's going to win a championship. Dude, like I said, I yeah, mean, like we team, said, we, we, yeah. I love what they're doing. Like, I love really it. love what they're doing. Well, and despite how the playoffs were looking there for a second, Trae Young is still one of my favorite players in the league. I, just, I love watching him so much. And I just, they're an easy team to root for, man, because they're just smart and grimy and like, yeah. And I love tough basketball teams. It's like like your sons and, and like the Hawks. But like there's teams that are trying to actually build a championship team through knowing basketball. And being <laughs> right, smart. right. And then, yeah, and then there are teams that are trying to make it look like they're winning it, trying to go win a championship, which I think is a little bit what New Orleans is doing. Like, they're scared Zion is going to leave, because he is. Because he's going to. And, yeah. yeah, and so they're putting on this, sh- like, show where they're not making smart basketball decisions, they're making smart PR decisions, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, bringing in a big name, like how Lowry looks better than signing the young guy who's been kind of an awkward fit rather than trying to make that work, because he does mesh well with Zion. Let's just bring in the PR win. And then it looks like we're doing the same thing. The champions are just did. So it's like, I, and also they somehow lost three first round picks and all that shuffling. Yeah. Cause one went to yeah. fucking Charlotte for uh, who, who the guy did they sign and trade from Charlotte? I can't remember Hold the on. point guard. They ended up getting um, Devonte Graham, Devonte Graham. Devontae Graham. Yeah, it's like, so they lost a first-round pick in that. They had all those first-round picks, but they're being super loosey-goosey with mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And so they're not turning them into anything. Unlike OKC, where you need a crowbar to get those picks away from those dudes. Yeah. Yeah, because they're waiting, they're waiting for their shot, because they're going to turn all those guys into something at some point. They're and if, go, here's all these picks for... Yeah, and if we're, or if we're right, then those picks are super valuable. <laughs> yep, exactly. Because <laughs> so. they're going to be uh, high-profile picks. I don't yeah. think I don't think they're very good. The, the New Orleans right. or OKC? New Orleans. I mean, OK, OKC. We okay. know what they are. Of course, they're not going to be good. Yeah. OKC is yeah. OKC has done something that I've never seen in sports. The way they have accumulated picks at an alarming rate. I've never seen anything like that. Well, there is maybe one time um, that we've seen that, and we can actually transition directly into our football through that because uh, I actually have a somewhat relevant um, segue into the Miami Dolphins because today we're talking about the AFC East. So I wrote this outline last night and I was kind of pessimistic about the Dolphins. And then as I'm driving to work today, I was thinking about DeMar, DeMar DeRozan <laughs> <laughs> and, how, and, and, and how he fit with um, uh, the Bulls. And I was trying to, like, pull relevant DeMar DeRozan memories from my brain to, to get, like, remind me. Because he fell into a black hole in San Antonio. Yeah. I forgot he existed yes. for how, three, four, years. three, four years three he was years. down there. Yeah. So I was trying. And the only memories I have were him keeping the Bucks out of the second round of the playoffs for, like, three straight years in, in, in the early <laughs> in Giannis Toronto years. Here, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this Bucks build has been a lot longer than I remember it. Yeah. Because yeah. because I'm like in, in my brain because of how intense the emotions have been, the the Bucks window has been like the last 3 years. And like I, I didn't forget about the 5 years where Giannis where they're trying to build figure out how to build the team around Giannis and kind of cocking it up and kind of playing like the kid years and everything where they're bringing in Earl Monroe mm-hmm. and like Matthew Delladova and Jason Terry and like all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, these rebuilds are longer than we think. Mm-hmm. And I've been kind of hard on the Dolphins when they're still k- 
kind of really early in what they're trying to do. And in football, I think sometimes we get a little too... We expect it now. Intensely. Fo- yeah. Well, especially because we see things like when Sean McVay came and took the Rams mm-hmm. from one of the worst teams in the league to the Super Bowl in like 18 months. Yeah. Like that generally doesn't happen. Or mm-hmm. even like Phoenix went from uh, uh, the Suns m- missing no the playoffs, playoffs for 10 straight years finals. and now, they're, now yeah. they're in the finals. Yeah. So like I think as sports fans in general, we get a little too excited about rebuilds. Like, okay, it's been three years. Now show us something. <laughs> when it's like that team three years ago, like – had their starting quarterback, ditched him. Had the best lift tackle in football, ditched him. Ditched every single valuable asset and just collected every draft pick they could. And those picks still haven't seen a ton of time on the field yet. So, like, I guess kind of one of the things I, I, I want to... So, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll read the slightly more pessimistic intro that I wrote, and then we'll kind of kick it off from there. Okay. So, the Finns are still not good, but they're promising to be good probably someday. Uh, maybe even soon. Two, two is totally good guys, I promise. And Preston Williams and Devontae Parker are both tall and Jalen Wiles fast. So those are important for football too. Also, our defense is really good, uh, but the only player that I know on that team is good is Avian Howard and he wants to leave. Uh, other than that, I can't tell you who the good players on that defense are. Uh, you know, Benardrick McKinney, Jerome Baker, and, and Christian Wilkins are, are fine. Baker's probably a little better and fine. But for the most, it's not a super talent-dense defense for as good as they ended up playing last year. So I guess having said all of that, like, how would you grade out this post-Gase era three years in now for the, for the Dolphins? I think you basically hit the you know, nail with a hammer. It's like they have acquired all the pieces, essentially. Now, now this team needs to develop, um, and it all rides on Tua. I'm not going to go too much on that because we talk about him all the time. We, I think we're kind of split on how we all feel about him, um, but none of us are right. So we don't know what he is. Um, yeah. But like you said, man, the defense is th- enough, um, and then the offense is enough. So it all just needs to start kind of meshing together. I mean, losing you know the second-best cornerback in the league, if they do, is not going to help. I don't think they will because I kind of – I really think that regime there is kind of turning a new leaf, like Brian Flores and the guys. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to keep him and pay him, um, just because of that's how I feel about what that organization is becoming, because they're becoming competent mm-hmm. for the first time in you know a decade. So, like you said, just let this team let it like simmer a little bit. You know, the fucking the stew's not finished yet. You know, you got to wait a thirty more minutes, Johnny. You know, I know you're hungry, but Jesus, <laughs> like, calm down. You you nailed it. Everyone needs to take a second and. They're not. It's not like you said. They're good, and I said that they're good. But they're not riddled with talent. They're not going to just win games because they have talent like the Browns. You know that that's not going to just win them weeks. They're going to have to execute, which is why I think they're good. Is because of the like I said, the regime there. They're going to be a very you know well coached, uh, disciplined team that's going to win games that way. Not because their players are that much better than everyone else's. Well, and I think you know we, we I feel like. You say we talk about Tua a lot. I, I think we talk around Tua a lot. Because um, we don't, don't know, know and we, we're afraid to be wrong yeah. on him. Because, like, it, 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 I don't want to be wrong because I have nothing against Tua. And I, I think I'm actually one of the guys out of the four of us that has maybe the highest ceiling for him. Where I, I'm not ready to bail on him at all. I know, like, David and Cody, uh, David especially, is, I think, kind of really wishy-washy with him where he's not a big, big believer. I'm enough of a believer to where you do what we talked about. You 
you progress like he's going to be the guy. And I think that was the only mistake they made last year. I didn't like the way they handled him at times. But then, to contradict myself, I did like the way they handled him at times. It was very weird because I haven't seen personnel have the balls to do what they did like they did last year where they're like, yeah, we're trying to make the playoffs, so sorry, kid. You know, next week's your time. You know, you're playing bad. We got to put the other guy in. And that's something we do not see very often with young, especially at the quarterback position where it's so mental and fragile and guys can just be ruined in one week. We've seen it. How many times have we seen it? Yeah, you know what I mean? We've seen it so many times with with not just young guys, but like guys that have been in the league. We've seen the collapse of Matt Schaub and so forth. And we've seen the collapse of young guys. So for them to do that, again, it's hard to fully agree with it, but I love the idea of the way they're like, yeah, we're here to fucking win. Um, and we're going to actually pull a real Doug Peterson and give you the best talent to win football games. You know, So it is something respectable about that. If not very interesting, it's... It's unlike anything I've seen in football, and I'm. It's just tough for Tua's development. I guess is what I'm saying. So I I think how I process that is I don't necessarily love the way they handled it, but I really love the way they talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the dialogue. I, I think Flores is I think one of the more refreshing head coaching personalities we've seen in the league in decades because he just is. He's not straight shooter in the way like, oh, Rex Ryan's a straight shooter because he swears and is in your face. He's like, <laughs> no, he, he he's a straight shooter because he shoots you straight and he's right. super honest with you. And he treated Tua like a guy who could handle criticism. And he, he treated him like a grown-up and talked to him like he was a grown-up. And and he said, yeah, you, you know, like I don't, I don't need to tell you you're not playing good. <laughs> you know, you know you're not playing, playing good. good. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have to like go and puff you up to the fucking beat reporter from the athletic. Yeah, you play like, like ass. I like, hold him and I want to yeah. win. Yeah. I mean, it was that yeah. simple. It yeah. Was exactly. That simple. And also I feel like like people like the, the bail rate on Tua has been a little silly. I feel so like. fast. Been, I mean, it was, it started last year, dude, before the season. Yeah, exactly. Ended. Well, and like, we so quickly forgot who Tua was when he was coming out of school. He was one of the best quarterback prospects, prospects. we had seen since Andrew Luck. Yep. Man. He was, I mean, Burrow ended up going ahead of him because Burrow did something no one's ever done as far as a single season performance. Like His he, numbers he were insane. Yeah. 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 His performance was insane. So, but Tua, you forget that this dude as a true freshman came in at halftime of a national and championship game, up. not playing all year and fucking came back against what was an incredibly stacked Georgia team and won a national championship. Like this dude is a winner and he's as good a prospect as we've had coming out a long time. And he's coming off a broken hip, <laughs> like one of the most devastating orthopedic injuries that like professional athlete or human can have. So like, I really feel like I don't even take last year's performance into consideration when I, I'm still develop. I, I still evaluate Tua as a Alabama quarterback. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah. just, it, 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 and I'm still high. I think they have their guy. Um, but I think for the sake of conversation, cause it's an interesting conversation to have is if Tua is a bust, if he comes out and throws, goes like 20 and 15 or just has a real flat awful year, how much does that change what they're doing? Like, does that, does that change the plan about how this team is building in any way? That's tough, man. That's tough because I, I think I'm going to compare it to some stuff I said last week. Is is I think teams like that, and they're they're better than New York, I would say. But you almost have to treat it mm-hmm. the same. You know, I think you have to just continue 
Um, the only the only thing difference between Miami and New York is Miami should continue like they have the guy. New York should continue the same way, but knowing that hey, we're gonna have to take flyers and try to find a quarterback that way. But we can ride with Daniel Jones for five years if we need to. Um, the mentality should be a little different with Miami until proven otherwise. I mean, I, I think I think it's so. Let me ask you this. When you're mm-hmm. when you're looking at a quarterback and let's just take to a situation, what is the big so what is the biggest pl- like the plus for a quarterback like something that you see maybe they didn't play the greatest that year but wh- so basically what I'm asking you is why are we saying that Tua's okay? I have my answer of why I think he's okay. I want to see if it's similar uh, your your opinion similar to why why I think mine is. I, I think a lot of these questions can get a little too myopic sometimes. I don't think there's ever like people like always say like, oh, decision making is the most important. Right. Um, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is aspect or, right. or, or, or yeah, or accuracy. My opinion is it's always a cocktail. Like if your arm strength isn't good enough, you can make up for it in other ways, yada, yada, yada. So l- let me kind of reshape your question before I, I spit it out a little bit. Like knowing Tua is Tua, like what do I have to st- to, to see out of him this year to, to, to make me think that he's the same Alabama guy I was evaluating before. Like how do I translate his game to success in the NFL? Let's say it that way is um, he's not going to turn the ball over. Um, he's going to be able to get the, for as much as we've liked these weapons, uh, we're both Preston Williams and Devonte Parker. I mean, more or less that we think they're good players. Like they've really struggled to get those guys in situ- situations where they can even get them the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, I think, a, more of a gaze problem than anything else. So seeing a situation where can we just make it so Tua can get uh, Waddle eight good touches a game? Mm-hmm. Like, c- can we get it to a point where he's not going to turn the ball over? And I really do feel like that one of the things that Tua brings that is the intangible is is a little bit of that, you know, Mamba mentality. Like, does he win the close games this year? Like, how many one-score games do they lose? Mm-hmm. Like, if he wins more than he loses, I think that's a successful Tua sort of year for me. Okay. I like that answer. Um, I mean, yeah. I can break it down kind of what you were saying, the the, yeah. the mechanics and things along those lines. I think it's as simple as, like, the first thing I start with is, like, how does his ball look? How does his ball mm-hmm. look when he throws it? Looks incredible. Looks great. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with that. How are the wheels? Well, he had a broken hip, but we know what they mm-hmm. can be if he recovers from that. And then you said decision-making. That's the one we don't know at this level. Um, and that's the one I think we have to keep an eye on this year. And everything else is there as far as, like like I said, the physical tools, um, what I want out of a quarterback. It does come down to decision-making. And I think they're well-coached, man. And I think they're going to they're gonna win the – I think they're a playoff team. I really do, um, based on the things that I'm talking about, where they're going to, like you said, they're going to win close games that they, they maybe not would have won last year, things along those lines. They they are better than a lot of teams. So it does kind of sound like we're building them up and then shitting on them, building them up and then shitting on them. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of where they are. That's that's where this – They're incomplete. Yeah, they're yeah. incomplete. That's where this team and roster is at, exactly. Well, and um... – so I think one of the things that got like paired at a, like I, one of the things I hate when I'm listening to like podcasts or sports media or whatever is like when someone has a somewhat one person has a somewhat clever observation about something and then it just keeps getting like recycled yes, the entire time yes. and it just plagiarism becomes, like, at the its finest. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Or it's just, it's just boobery. Like it's it's being a hack. So like <laughs> one of the things that I saw was like, oh, guys aren't as open as they were in Alabama. So he's having a hard time with smaller windows. I, that is both fair and unfair because when you watch his game with your eyes, there was a little bit of that where things were a little on the back hip. He wasn't quite getting things right where he needed to be. There was just like a little bit of a disconnect, which is probably, I think, more having to do with you can't trust your plant foot than mm-hmm. anything else mm-hmm. because it's, it's broken. But I think one thing when we're evaluating this guy is it's something I'm going to pound home because I fucked it up when I was looking at Justin Herbert. Just because a guy wasn't asked to do something doesn't mean he can't do something. He was running the program that Nick Saban, uh, or I guess uh, Scarsesian was the guy who was actually running that offense. But like he was running that offense that he was told to run because that was the offense he was told yeah, to run. Yeah, good point. Now he's, in, now he's in the NFL and he's asked to do something different. So let I have no reason to believe that he can't also do what his coaches are telling him now. As opposed, to, So I, I, I hated that because it was so reductive and so easy, but it was just sprinkled with just enough eye truth that you could get a bunch of suckers. I, I do extremely so, hate that because like, oh, he's not as good when guys are playing better defense. It's like, yeah, that's true for fucking everybody on this planet. Well, you no know? one is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's harder for him to do his job. It's harder to beat good better. football teams. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are playing too good. You guys are supposed to be playing worse so I can beat better. No, no. You got to be like Texas A&M, where it's just like <laughs> yeah, eight 110 to 210 pound guys out there. Running I know we're making fun of it, <laughs> rightfully so. But like you said, there's just enough truth to that statement to where it's like, God damn, they can get away with that. Because he he, he did, like you said, he, ha- he did have a lot of, uh, I guess I could use the word inaccurate throws last year. Um, it could come down to timing and other things, but yeah, it's, it's not preposterous to say that, unfortunately. So, um, to circle real quick back to, uh, a comment that you made a a few, a little bit back ago and to transition to our next team. Uh, I said last week that the New York giants have the seventh seed written all over them. Like they're like my, they're They're going to be that seventh. I feel like in my heart, they're going to be that seventh seed. I feel like. When you said that they, the Dolphins are a playoff team, that was something else I was thinking. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins or the next team we're going to talk about, the Pats, really do kind of, they just feel tailor-made to be that seventh, that dead man walking team into the playoffs. Like, they, they really do feel like that to me. Um, so transition to the Patriots. You remember last year when they sucked and they were a stupid poo-poo garbage team? Oh my God, that was so that was so fun, right? They were so gross. Oh, bad team. They were seven and nine. Uh, they were not that bad. They were an incredibly average team, but because we're so used to them winning, uh, we thought they were bad, and they really weren't. Uh, part of the reason, though, we also thought they were bad is they looked very bad. The roster when, looked bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. They played a very ugly style of football last year. Because, like you said, they, they were a bad roster. They were very, very talent-deprived. Um, that's not true now. Um, I don't. They made a ton of moves, brought in a ton of talent, and I don't love every move they made because we're going to go through a lot of that. I think the Nelson Aguilar contract was maybe the worst contract of the entire offseason. But they are, without a doubt, a much deeper, more talented team. Um, and something we're going to get into is they had a bunch of people also just come back from the opt out last year. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they have an, the a, like like three or four bonus players coming back, bonus impact players they didn't have last year. So, one player that did play last year 
and is back again this year is Cam Newton. So let's start this off by talking some Cam Newton. And so, again, to, to do a call back to a previous episode, I once referred to Jimmy Garoppolo as the problem who solves himself. Do you feel like that is true for Cam? Or how do you look at specifically early season Cam Newton this year? Hmm. So I think the first thing you have to do with Cam is check the healthy billet. And it's like, who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to know fully what, what where he's at in that regard. So unfortunately, that's going to have to just figure itself out. Number two, you look at the upgrades, like you said, offensively. Uh, what they did with the roster. They loaded up at tight end. They got, like you said, they, they handed out some contracts to some receivers, one in particular that, of course, we're not too fond of because this is a guy we talk about all the time. That being said, he's probably the best playmaker they've had in three or four years. <laughs> so <laughs> Probably. So it's Since a, Julian Edelman was healthy. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So Nelson Aguilar being that player we're talking about, he is a guy that's easy to get the ball when he catches it. I know that sounds really bad, but it's pretty much mm-hmm. his profile. Uh, Cam is a quarterback who needs receivers that it's easy to get the ball to. So he's got two big, strong, fast tight ends. Shouldn't be that difficult to get those mm-hmm. guys the ball. And he's got a dynamic guy who can't catch, but he's easy to get the ball to. It's just up to that guy to catch. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, these weapons kind of make sense. Not to mention their run game is very power-heavy, which can just – really wear down defenses when you gotta wait whoa, 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 what don't you like about that oh no I, I i actually really love what you said because um one of the things i was gonna say is this is exactly the same backfield that's mm-hmm. been in new england for the past oh, 20 years completely they, they do the same thing they get big chunky dudes with no names and they get a thousand of them and they just keep running until one of them breaks completely. out completely that guy. It, it, exactly it, exactly so they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be hitting you in the mouth and like this is a run first team there's no doubt about it um and then just beef on beef with the running back and cam i I still feel like that's it he can not do that to be an nfl quarterback he has to he has to run Mm -hmm. strong to be in the league um but to go back to what you said originally is like will he will will he be a problem that answers himself yeah i think maybe more so than somebody like jimmy garoppolo because we've seen what happened last year you know it went bad like i i think that i can't remember what week it was but it was one of the worst games i'd ever seen an nfl quarterback starting NFL quarterback have he had a man he had a real stinker man it was not good for him didn't he have more like picks than completions yes, in the game yeah it, it, it went like really that. fucking bad for him man and i'm and, but i mean then we saw the way he started the year he came out fucking chariots on fire man and he was he was running the ball you know that offense was super simplistic you know obviously but it was working so maybe that's a little bit to why the downfall happened for them it's possible but it, it all comes down to are the weapons good enough? Because I, I don't see this team looking drastically different as far as what they're trying to do and what the, the goal is. It's just are the players good enough to execute? That's the question, I think. I have a, 
a similar, slightly more positive. I think this has maybe it's not as much because I think Cam is fine if he's doing Cam stuff and he's in a situation like he is where he's enough guys around him where it's not all about him and he can only do the things that he's good at. I think he's going to be fine. I think the difference between him and the in the Jimmy G situation is I think the guy behind Cam is not pushing as hard to get on the field as the guy mm-hmm. that is behind Jimmy. So. And that is not saying that Mac is not good. We all have, I think, solid one thumbs up on Mac as a, as a prospect, mm-hmm. a net positive prospect. However, you also have to understand that Mac is coming from a program where he was the old man at that program. He sat for four years, learned how to do everything that he had to do. Um, he had the more comp- he had a more comprehensive view of that offense than college football players are generally allowed to get on an offense because they just don't hang around and spend as much film time as, as, as Mac did. And that kind of covered up the fact that he is a limited athlete. And if you look at the guys who have come out just on fire, like those really great rookie year quarterback years, the three that come to mind are Herbert, Luck, and Cam Newton, those guys are all great quarterbacks and smart quarterbacks, but they're all ridiculous athletes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when there was holes in their comprehensive comprehensive uh, knowledge of the of the offense, they were just able to be tremendous athletes. Mac's not going to be able to do that. He's going, and the reports out of camp are he's having kind of a hard time because he's learning an entire new system for the first time in his essentially adult football career, and uh, that's probably extremely challenging and he can't make up for it by having a fucking greasy cannon or by having hot wheels like he, he just doesn't have those things I think that's an excellent point man and we've seen we've seen this type of guy the the true mind uh mechanical guy where it's like oh he knows how to run an offense um but he has no athleticism and we've seen it not work quick i mean josh rosen's the first guy that comes to mind but there's plenty more man it's like you know if Kyler Murray wasn't able to run around, would he have had a great rookie season? No, it would have been really bad. You know, he, he those guys, mm-hmm. like you said, Justin Herbert, he always had a he always had a, something in his back pocket to bail on when when something didn't go right or, or the play broke down or whatever. Yeah, it, it could it could go. That's why it's good that Max not starting in that organization is very smart and they know they know he's not ready to be thrown to the fucking wolves, man. So I, I think they're really banking on Cam to just be able to. Just last this year, and by last I mean not play so bad like he did that one game to where they're forced to make <laughs> yeah. a change because the fans are calling for people's heads, you know. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think this team is that good as what the public or what sportscast or you know as the world perceives them to be. The signings were cool. Um, I don't think they're elite level signings as much as other people do. Uh, it, they're going to be good though. Like you said, it's a well-run team. Belichick's there. If they win nine games, I think that's their ceiling, and I wouldn't be surprised. I I think I'm a, I'm probably a little bit higher on them than than you are. One is I think that the infusion of guys on defense to what was already a defense that was playing kind of out of their mind last year as for, for their talent level. True. You had Matthew, uh, Matthew Judon, Roquan McMillan, Jalen Mills, uh, Henry Anderson. You draft Christian Barmore, and then you get Dante Hightower back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Missed him all last year. Maybe one look. of the most – yeah, he's such an underrated defense. He is. He's great. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think they that defense could just 
drag that team to the playoffs by himself, to be completely honest. And I and I do think here's an interesting question. Do you think there's gonna actually be an impact offensive player that's not a tight end as far as the skill positions go? I mean not really, because I, I think this offense is gonna be exactly the way I'm envisioning it. It's gonna be a super run heavy team and it's gonna be a lot of tight end centered action. So it's I can't see it not being one of those two guys in Hunter Henry or uh, Jono. I mean, that that's why they paid him the big bucks anyway, right? I can't think of a single team in NFL history where the tight ends were that much better than the receivers on the team. Oh, they're significantly. Like, I, I, I honestly, yeah, significantly better. Maybe, maybe in the first two breakout years of Kittle, when that Forty mm, Niners mm. team had no receivers yeah. and I. I feel like they had a second tight end. Was it Selleck or whatever there? That was a totally fine. Yeah, yeah, Brent Selleck. Tight end yeah. there as well. So like, yeah. So like, I I feel like that's the only other time I can think of that where the, the talent gap between the tight ends and receivers were so massive. I mean, um, New England just has like that's why they that's why they paid you know those receivers because they're not elite level receivers but they're all fast. You know, the ones that they brought in are very fast mm-hmm. and they can at least open it up enough. If, if, if they can keep defenses honest, then it allows the tight ends to operate the way we envision them doing. I also think it's interesting now that Nikhil Harry is getting a bunch of buzz in camp now, which 100% has to be a sell job if I've ever heard of it. Like, no, guys, he's really good. He's playing so good right now, guys. And the way they're they're just making it sound like he's, uh, you know, he's just standing for something. He's like, he is not out there. He's standing on the side. He, he Listen, he is disputing all this. He wants traded, and he is not on the mm. field, okay? It's like, yeah, who gives a shit? You know, he's never on the field. Even if he wasn't disputing anything, he wouldn't be on the field. So this changes nothing. <laughs> like we've mentioned before, it's just so funny the way that his PR team or whoever is doing this is just like, it's the same thing we keep talking. It's like, dude, do you know what player you're representing? You know, are you, do you understand the talent that you're you're – employed by I, I i'm not sure that they do what if it's uh Kawhi leonard's uncle got to him too and was like no you have you have to get out of here man you're so much better than this you have to get to la <laughs> i don't know uncle leonard don't call me uncle just call me Leonard. don't call me uncle why am i calling call me mr leonard call me mr Le- <laughs> uncle mr leonard <laughs> anyway don't check your bank account don't check it. I, I'll check it. I'll check it to make sure all, all your money is there for you. <laughs> that's so, just for our listeners. That's something that me and uh, AJ we just have the best time with. Is just that stereotypical advisor that it's always a relative for these you know these pro athletes, and then you know you always hear the story of how they end up going broke because they fucked them over, and they had like an accountant that's not an accountant run their money just because their third cousin once removed or whatever. It's just who's the barber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it happens all the time and it's just so easily preventable if you just get a professional to do that for you. But just pay a guy that knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's always a cousin or an uncle or a brother. Literally the only time that's ever worked out to be a good decision was LeBron's buddy because that's, he was, um, the only time but he also had like an mba and yeah no he was he was qualified like that. to do that's the thing that gets lost in translation it's like oh well he was lebron's yeah. per- it's like no but he he also had credentials to do that job he wasn't just yeah, he also had a master's degree <laughs> yeah <laughs> master's in business <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's the small little fucking cliff note that gets left out of that story 
Yeah, haters are always real good at glossing over super important yep, things. Yep. Um, and the last thing I want to say about New England before we, we scoot on um, is Brandon Bolden is still on this team. He's been on this team uh, for 30 so. years. He's He's been on this team longer than I am old, I think. I don't remember a time when he has so. not been on this team. He's been on there for nine years. Nine so fucking years. Year. Wow. And has never mattered. I don't know how a guy has been on that team and has never been an impact player for nine years. Wow. Nine years. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like an athletic trainer. I don't know. It's, just, <laughs> it's nuts. I don't even know what to say. Like, I can't even comment on that. I don't have anything to say to that. That's just. That's a, that's a little bit of trivia for you. That's all it was. <laughs> All right, so let's go on uh, to, we talked about two teams that might be good. Let's talk about a team that has no chance of being good. Um, So the Jets used to suck, uh, and now they still suck, but at least they're likable now. They have a respected GM, and they have a well-liked coach, Mm -hmm. and they have a new sexy quarterback with a new sexy mom that has a lot of opinions on things that you shouldn't uh, listen to. And uh, for the first time in a long time, Every position group on this team actually has one pros- at least one prospect that you go, oh, that's actually a football player. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a really good impact player. Uh, I can't remember the last time that was true about the Jets. So I guess uh, that sexy quarterback with a sexy mom is Zach Wilson. And one thing I want to ask you about is with kind of how paper thin this roster has been in the past and to a certain extent still is now yeah and how quickly the jets as an organization have been willing to reset themselves over and over again can zach wilson get away with having a daniel jones start to his career oh that is actually really tough because it's also robert sala's first year too Mm -hmm. so that is that's actually a really tough question man um i'm gonna say no just because they they're going to be bad regardless, like you said. So they're already getting a high profile pick, in my opinion. So if he just plays mm-hmm. bad, it's like yeah, you just use that high profile pick with another quarterback. I mean, I I, I think that's just as simple as it gets. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very good read because like I think also part of the thing about having like some promising other players on there, it's like oh, we're actually doing something good. I don't want Zach Wilson to bring us down and like zach wilson zach wilson was such a weird prospect as far as how people talked about him this year because he almost got lost in the sauce because it was like everyone's talking about trevor lawrence he's number one yada 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 zach wilson's number two okay anyway what about these other interesting quarterbacks here that's all this conversation he like almost got completely uh washed over except through that one ball real far one time at his pro day and then everyone talked about that and then he disappeared again so i remember so when we were talking and we were like dude when the fuck did zach wilson become the consensus uh second quarterback off the board because it just happened and like no it was no discussion about mm-hmm. it no one cared uh no one disputed it no one like you said we immediately said lawrence and then dude let's talk about fields and uh lance a little bit here which one would you take out of those guys because those guys are fucking exciting it was never yeah. Hey, Zach Wilson's w- definitely better than those other two guys. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Nobody talked about Zach Wilson. And like you said, and then he made that yeah. one cross-body throw that a lot of quarterbacks can make, and he got a little bit of hype for a while. Yeah. So, so I Justin think, Field made that exact Yeah, and Justin Fields did the same exact yeah. throw. But what, what makes it <laughs> yeah. kind of interesting is like if the – to, to kind of bolster my, my answer is, yeah, I mean I – I don't know how good he's supposed to be anyway. So it's like if he's bad, yeah, just bail because 
I didn't I didn't have mm-hmm. him as the number two guy, but I'm just a regular jackass. You know, I don't know anything. But mm-hmm. if they're wrong, because to me that wasn't chalk to go him, so they had to mm-hmm. do some evaluating and scouting, actually, you know, use some some judgment to take him. So if they're wrong, they 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 need to do what wrong guy like you know what wrong teams do, and that's fix that fucking problem. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I think the reason Zach Wilson is leaving a weird taste in my mouth is because I had, like, the exact opposite journey the rest of, (laughs) I feel like, the evaluators did. Because I went through and I watched, like, three games of every quarterback Mm -hmm. and kind of wrote down my first thing. And I immediately, like, whoa, Zach Wilson's fun. Check that shit out. Oh, cool. He's definitely my two. And then I did that again and again and kept watching tape. And the more tape I watched, the farther he just kept sliding away. And then I'm like, oh, I don't think I like Zach Wilson as much as I did the first time I saw him fall sideways and throw right, all right, 60 yards right. in the air. It's like the second that that the the pop of that fit sloughed off my mind, like he he was he fell to the back of the class for me, or he didn't fall to the back. I still haven't had a Mac Jones, of course. But um, yeah, but uh, so I, I'm trying super hard not to be overcritical of him just because I don't want to fall in on the line with everyone else. I still think he's a good prospect. And I still, I still th- overall think he'll probably be successful. He has enough weapons there to enough promising young prospects there. And the situation is good enough that I feel like he should succeed. Um, I, 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 I'm would more you say, sorry to cut you off. Would you say that yeah, he has yeah. the most pressure out of all those prospects this year? I think he does. Oh, that's such a weird question, but yeah, I think, think so partly because i think chicago's doing everything they can to avoid putting any pressure on justin fields and he's also the only guy we're just like we don't have any other quarterbacks you're the guy go exactly that's why like you said because of the the pressure chicago's obviously taking off of justin fields trey lance has all the pressure off of him because it's jimmy garoppolo trevor lawrence is trevor lawrence he's the guy no matter what and then Mac Jones is mm-hmm. – there's a chance Mac doesn't even see the field this year. So it's obviously mm. Zach Wilson has all the pressure in the world, mm. and that could play a part of it. You know, that that's something we don't talk about when it comes to, you know, prospects is, like, mentality in that regard. It's like, can they handle pressure? Can they handle being the guy? And we will find out because it's no choice. Like, Zach mm. Wilson, we will find out. Well, and I, I just said that he's in a good situation. I want to backpedal a little bit from that because it, one thing that I think is also interesting is from an offensive standpoint, they're putting a lot of pressure on rookies to be for offensive production. Good point. Like it, uh, Elijah Moore has is being talked about like he's two Jerry Rice's taped together right now in camp. Like he's, I've never seen some a wide receiver talked about in camp. Like this dude is fucking camp Jesus. Like man. they're just everyone praying that he turns out to be a good player. They're like, please God, <laughs> Jesus, we need you. And they talk about like Denzel Mims. Like they make him stand in the corner with a pointy hat on. He turns like Denzel, face the wall. Don't watch the football, Denzel. Stay over there. <laughs> don't you know what? Don't even stand next to Elijah. I don't want you rubbing off on him no, or anything like that. I, I don't want you touching him. <laughs> I don't want you touching him. Unless you're cutting your your calves off to make him taller by sticking them on the bottom of his feet. I don't want you anywhere near him. <laughs> Which is so funny and ironic because like he was the one getting this type of talk last year. He was the same. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Adam Gase destroys another promising young soul. <laughs> Great point, man. Uh, uh, unreal. Um, a little bit of a, a, a different kind of goofy question for you. Here. Okay. 
is is if um, Roger Goodell kicked in your front door right now and, and said, Clark, I'm going to grant you a wish. I'm going to make you GM of a New York City team. You can pick. Which of those two teams are you choosing to take over? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. That's actually really tough. I feel like... I feel like you want me to say the Jets. My heart is saying Giants, but I am leaning towards the Jets because it's easy for me to bail on Zach Wilson if need be, like I talked about. And I think that could be the only thing that needed to be done, so it'd be an easy job. <laughs> um, the Giants are bet. <laughs> the Giants are better, but I feel like there's a lot more work to be done there because of the way the money's distributed, like distributed there. Um, they have a they have a interesting mix of established guys, and then the young talent is clearly not as good as the Jets. Because I mean, all that needs to happen with the Jets now is just develop. Like the Giants needs a lot more management, while all the Jets have mm-hmm. all the Jets have to do is just develop. Because they, they like on paper they they got most of the stuff they needed as far as weapons and things along those lines. So now it's just like develop them and figure out if Zach Wilson is the guy. So I think that job's easier. Um, so I'd probably take that. Yeah. So like that was kind of the same process I had because like well it's more of like a personal philosophy and what do you want in a GM job because mm-hmm. like the Giants is a way better it's roster, better yeah and there's yeah. like way better blue chip players on there. There's a lot so of work jobs. Well, yes and no, because, like, you have more stuff figured out, but you have more of your hands tied as well. So, like, but then with the Jets, like, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. And because, like, and and you have more and you do have good players. We just talked about some players we like on this team. But at the same time, it's like there's more for you to play with Mm -hmm. with the Jets, which is personally more appealing to me if I was going to be a GM. So I'd pick the Jets just because I could fuck around more. I think think a lot of us have this mentality where it doesn't always play this way, but when you're – especially if you're pretending to be a general manager, I think what we would want is to either be really good or really bad. Because we like mm-hmm. we, we like to be bad at times, you know, because we like the, the project mm-hmm. of building, especially when it comes to Dynasty. A lot of us, you know, mm-hmm. hop always like to do that. Um, we either like to be really good or really – we don't like to be middle of the pack. And I think Giants, you would be – if you took that job, you'd be middle of the pack for four years. And it's like that's nothing wrong with that. But is it as fun as, like you said, doing whatever you wanted with the Jets? And that's a more fun job. Yeah. So I guess that my last Jets question I have here is now seeing how everything has played out. Do you think it was the right call to pick Zach Wilson over Sam Darnold, essentially? Oh, that, that's actually tough, too, man. I would say no. Um, again, I'm not ready to fully bail on Darnold. I don't think he's ever going to be the prospect that I believed he could be or what, you know, the general consensus thought he would be. Um, but he, he, he was not a guy where it was obvious. So I don't know if you do that, like how they handled it. Um, and then what makes it, what validates my point even more is that they replaced him with another question mark. So the, it did. Okay. It didn't necessarily solve the problem officially. So like the problem's still not solved technically. So that's the issue. Um, and and 
you know, we're, we're huge believers in what that regime did to ruin so many players and, and you can't like, lives. yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't tell me <laughs> that Sam Darnold just had all of his talent sucked out. Like, you know, a monster got a hold of him. There's just no way yeah. he's that bad. Like from what I saw from him in college, again, he was one of those elite level prospects. And I mean, elite, he was, mm. um, it, things got weird draft day or you know a couple of days leading up to the draft for him where I was like I still can't believe how that yeah it's and, still weird and it's still yeah and it makes me you know look back to like what the fuck happened you know am I missing something um, it, it was very very strange but to answer your question I, I don't I wouldn't say it was the right move um, not yet anyway okay I, I'm still leaning towards the towards the towards the Darnold side of that as well i just feel like i mean it's so hard to project what what they would have got in return for that pick because they're not going to stay there at two if they're going to roll with sam darnold so they're, they're going to get they're gonna something. Tree, yeah. like because because what do you like take kyle pitts there i'm not as big a fan of that like you know but it, but if you can get the players that you ended up getting and just like, have like, darnold elijah yeah. more yeah a carter and stuff on that team already and darnold there and then the equity like I guess if you ask me right now on August 4th, 2021, do I think that worked out was a better move for them? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I do think that was. That makes sense. Move. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So now it's on to the team that's worth talking about uh, in this in this division. Um, so the exercise of writing these little little reporting majigs out um, has been kind of enlightening to me because one of the things I have kind of settled on is. I don't think good teams are quite as fun to talk about as bad teams. <laughs> uh, there's, they're just not as interesting. The Buffalo Bills are by far the best team in this division, one of the best teams in football. And uh, because if I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills, I can go, yeah, they did a nice job this offseason kind of rounding out their offense a little bit with a little, few more veterans here and there. Um, that they added a lot of young prospects to what is still kind of a flawed defense. Um and they also, for some reason, always just draft my favorite defensive prospect every year. It's just a weird thing that they do. See um, Gregory Russo and uh, AJ, uh, yeah, from last year. So, but all the stuff we can talk about is really going to boil down to one thing. If the Bills don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's, it's a failure. Um, because they've already done all of the ascending team things. They made the playoffs. They went on a run. They got their heart broken mm-hmm. in, the, in the conference championship game. They've already done all the narrative. They've all done. They've done the intro to the championship DVD already. Like that's done. Now you have to go win the championship for the end of the DVD. Okay. So Super Bowl or bust for Buff for Buffalo. I know you're a big Buffalo guy. You you put your money where your mouth was on a lot of Buffalo I stuff did. last year. I did it. Yep. Um, I'm kind of the same way this year. However, if they do not hoist the Lombardi this year, what do you think is to blame for them not doing it? The Chiefs. I mean, I think, I think it's as simple as that. <laughs> I think that's the right answer. Yeah, that was going to be my smart ass answer too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, this this roster is now they're fucking ready to go and. Mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, they're in the AFC where the Chiefs are also now and ready to go. So that's it. I mean, you can look at the other AFC teams. I don't have any of them 
like Baltimore is not on the same level as I don't take Buffalo. Them no, not not to that level, and no one else. You know, it, so it's it's the Chiefs or Buffalo comes out of this AFC. I don't I don't see how. I mean, minus injury, we always you know ne- never include injury. You know, we're just assuming that these rosters are going at it head to head straight up, and it's between them two. I mean, to to raise my head and say yes, the Chiefs was also my answer. I guess my second answer a little bit is um, their defense. Their defense was not bad last year. No. They were 12th in, D- in DVOA, so they were, like, slightly above average. However, every time I think of that defense, I just think of that game where CEH looked like he was 12 feet tall and was just smashing them on every single fucking play. Like, this they were just prone to get their ass kicked a little too much. Yeah, okay. Like they were fine, but they were just, when they were bad, they could, they couldn't stop a house fly sort of thing. So they didn't really do like this science, like signed AJ Klein and made like a bunch of really weird depth moves. And then they put a lot of equity into the draft on defense. Um, I just never really think that when you're trying to elevate from one year to the next, that's necessarily a super set. It's, it's, it's a, obviously a very sound way to build a team, mm-hmm. but I don't know how effective that is to, to, to go to the next level year over year. Um, so that would kind of be my uh, complaint about it. However, the one other thing that I can kind of complain about, and I want to I kind of run past you whether you think this is a valid complaint. Because one thing I've tried to avoid when looking over these teams is to get too nitpicky because I can go, oh, the Buffalo Bills don't have an impact tight end. That's a hole in their <laughs> offense. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's real bad. That could bite them. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, no, no one cares. cares. Impact tight end. So, so, like, I try not to pick on stuff like that too much, but it bothers me that they have been unable to assemble a running game from the running back position that can make a difference. Because I look at what a team, because Josh Allen's one of the best rushing quarterbacks in, in, in the league. And I look at a team like Baltimore, or even way back when Michael Vick was uh, doing his thing in Atlanta, those teams are like, oh, look, look at this guy go. Let's really compliment them and build out a totally heinous backfield and make that a completely like a, a grain thresher of a part of our offense. And like, like last, like um, the first year or the uh, Lamar Jackson's MVP year where they invested money in Mark Ingram mm-hmm. and basically, and know how to just use the perfect amount of Gus Edwards and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand why this team isn't super interested in doing that with Josh Allen. Well, in Buffalo's defense, I feel like they have tried that. They've just whiffed. I mean, they spent the equity on Singletary and uh, Zach Moss. I mean, it's not like these are seventh-round guys or something like that. These were, you know, decently mm-hmm. drafted guys. So they've at least had that in their mind to try to operate that way. They just took the wrong fucking guys. Um, I'm not fully – I know you're, you're – I don't think any of us are Zach Moss believers, and especially when I'm talking about mm-hmm. you. But, I mean, he could be serviceable. You definitely – need another guy that helps complement him because Zach Moss is very limited. But And, like, Devin Singletary's not that bad. He's just not that guy that's going to bring out the best in Zach Moss or what that offense can do. So they are they are lack of talent when it comes to running the ball. But 
I think that's an easier fix than what a lot of things are. So I'm not going to stress it um, okay. as much as other things. Like you said, like the defense, that that's a real issue where that's not – you don't just fix some things that they had going on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But the run game, you, you can you can orchestrate some type of production, either bring in a guy late or just find production with what you have, you know. Okay, so – part to ask this question because I'm curious of your answer and part to set up the next little game I have. Um, do you think there was more they could have done or should have done in this off season to, to bolster that running game? Do you think it was weird? They just left it with Singletary and Moss and just said, Fuck well, it. I don't think it's weird because it's something that we kind of think about and talk about is that, you know, the way teams evaluate their own roster. I feel like they think they're, they're good enough. I, I think they okay. I think they evaluate those guys as yeah we can get it done with these guys and maybe we're wrong but we haven't been wrong with them yet you know because we haven't seen that type of production mm-hmm. out of them but I, I I think it's just another case of where that organization thinks that they have the guys to get the job done I think that's all it is and part of this may be because I'm personally angry at them mm-hmm. because I I'm very pro Devin Singletary and anti Zach Moss, Zach Moss yeah. and they seem to be exactly the opposite yes, on it. Yes. So I, I I'm I'm personally bitter. But what I was trying to do is set up this game where we're going to take a time machine back to this past off season and we're each going to fix the backfield as if we were the GM. So I'm going to put in the chat just basically a list of all the free agent uh, running backs that were here this year. And let's assume that we have to like be fiscally responsible here. Sure, sure, sure. And and we can't sign Kenyon. And let's assume that what, what these guys signed for, we have to pay them. So, like, Kenyon Drake is an 11 fucking million dollar contract. Right. The, one of the that's highest paid nuts. running backs. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Which is an entirely different bag of cats to fucking deal with. Uh, so we won't go there. But let's just say he's off the board. <laughs> so let's look at this and assume that they can draft anyone that's not Travis Etienne because he was gone before them. Well, so I think just let's roll that in. I think looking at the the free agent list, let's start there and like talk about actual. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two realistic guys. I think, well, no, because Marlon Mack wasn't ever going to go anywhere. Um, I feel like they were like married to him until that was a guy. My yeah, my brain went right. Yeah, to I mean, he, he, he he's probably the perfect guy, honestly. But it, again, mm-hmm. again, I have to take everything into consideration into what I know about other teams. And like Indy, will they are just so married to him that I don't think he was ever going to go anywhere. But this is the guy mm-hmm. that I think because Jamal Williams is another one. The price point's a little bit higher, but worth it because he's that good. But mm. again, another guy where mm. he was never going to go from Green Bay. The guy that is realistic mm. and that has no ties, and it's Philip Lindsay. You and I love Philip Lindsay that, <laughs> so much. That's the guy. That was a guy, too, where I'm like, that just seems so perfect. Yep. That's exactly the guy that you needed to break free to bring into a program. Yep. And also, it frees Philip Lindsay from Houston. Exactly, it just makes and perfectly. Yeah. yeah. the The other thought that I had was Chris Carson might have been worth it. The, oh, yeah, okay. So you're saying the amount does, it was worth it? That yeah. Was worth it. Five million dollars a year for two years for Chris Carson when he could elevate that aspect of your team. Again, big Chris Carson guy here. I, I feel like that would have 
been worth the money to spend to bring him in with the, with the difference he could have made of what your offense could do. Um, it, it, and then if you want to like part of my brain kind of likes James Conner there too. He seems like a really, uh, like a they already, Buffalo that's style Zach Moss, dude. Though. They already have that. I mean, yeah, I but he's know. better than Zach Moss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so th- those are my thoughts. But yeah. You, you and I went to the same place was that Philip Lindsay would have been the perfect answer there because you can also take those young guys and let them do what they do specifically and also take some of the, you know, eat some minutes from Philip Lindsay too. So you don't have yeah. to like or lean on him to death. For, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to 25 touches a game. Right. But yeah. So I, I guess I'm a little bitter about that. I just feel like they have an opportunity to see, to look around the league and see a bunch of, teams who have over the past couple of years taken a mobile quarterback and made a really interesting offense in the backfield and they don't seem super interested in doing that mm. and that just seems kind of interesting to me um, maybe it's just because Stefan Diggs is just that good and throwing the ball deep to him every play is a sound offense as well <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're just not as interested in, in doing that but I don't know I feel like they're, they're, they're leaving money on the table with that yeah but I mean when you got a 86 overall wide receiver like Cole Beasley. I mean, you should be fine. That's insane. Do we don't even want to fucking fuck around with that? <laughs> I kind of want to because yeah. I had so much when, when Cross posted all that shit, I was like, yes, this is what I needed today. Like that was I, <laughs> I was so thankful that he did that because that was the, the joy that I needed out of today. That was that was a great giggle, man. That that was like because you can all right. So this is where I'll start with all that. So what we're talking about is the Madden, the Madden ratings for the new game. Um, we we looked at a lot of them. Um, the receivers were absolutely preposterous. And mm-hmm. granted, at the end of the day, it's just a number, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. and it, what we know about the ratings is an accumulation of different statistics, or not statistics, but different categories, like speed, catching, ability, yada, 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 whatever, route running. Um, so it's like, yeah, maybe if you add up some stuff, like Cole Beasley's kind of high, but I don't care how the fuck you add up anything. Whenever the number comes out the same as Cole Beasley and AJ Brown have the same number, you can go ahead and just fucking disregard me because I don't want anything to do with this. That is, <laughs> I, I can't, like, seriously, name one thing Cole Beasley's better at than AJ Brown when it comes Or just as good at. Yeah, or, ju- or ju- yeah, just out. as good at. Yeah, name one thing. And, and maybe I, small area quickness. May, yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe by a, by a by a hair. Yeah, maybe. Like like not even a lot. Maybe. I so they're both rated eighty six. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and kind of start qualify this next comment. I don't particularly like Cole Beasley as a thing. I just don't. <laughs> I, I I I don't like him as a dude. I I I think he's an ugly man. Um, I I think he has really ignorant beliefs on a lot of stuff. Yada yada yada. And I, I've never been a giant fan of his game either. Um. He had a pretty good season last year, mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep using this because you said it a couple weeks ago and I it has broken my brain on how I look at basketball. It's the Jason Tatum thing mm-hmm. where someone has to be there because someone has to eat the stats. Yep. Stefan Diggs is great. Gabe Davis is promising. There wasn't anyone else in that offense to catch the ball. And Cole Beasley is a reliable dude to lodge the ball between his hands. <laughs> that doesn't mean that he's one of the best receivers in the league or the best slot receiver no. in the league or anything like that. He's he's a guy who can soak targets. And I'm not saying that doesn't require any skill it or is, you don't yeah, it does a receiver take skill. to do that. Yeah. But it, 
it, let's not oversell it for what it is. Exactly. Like he, he's a dude who's there to eat minutes. <laughs> like I, I, 86 overall, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I, I and, that is insane. To so, me. so what, what makes me like, let's, let's not to get too far off topic here, but like, let's, mm. let's think of the big, like grand scheme of things here. Right. Like, let's just take Madden. Okay. Madden yeah. is, for what it is is struggling right like it's kind of becoming a joke so wouldn't you think like they're like okay guys this year let's get these fucking ratings right okay because like we're, <laughs> we're, we're already becoming a laughing stock and our game you know production is going down people don't want to play this game uh for uh, for other reasons let's mm-hmm. at least name or, or excuse me let's at least nail the one thing that laymen and people who just kind of dabble in the game care about let's like really hammer down these ratings so the nonchalant player you know because it, it's the it's the most general thing that would appease casuals it would appease the professional players of madden it mm-hmm. literally is the easiest thing to do to get your game back on track to, at least to get it headed in the right direction mm-hmm. and they come out with this shit and like you know, every every game, every sports game, people bitch about uh, their ratings and and it like uh, that like this this is the worst I think I've ever seen. It's even the quarterback ratings were like, what the fuck? Well, no, they nailed that. They got Ryan Tannehill at eighty seven. No Get the about. fuck out of here! So so by that logic, you're telling me that Ryan Tannehill is a is better at his respective position than AJ Brown is at his respective position. Get. I'm saying that the Ryan Tannehill <laughs> is the Cole Beasley of quarterbacks is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I feel like Madden's problem is it's become too analytical where they have some sort of giant cyborg that they put all of the, they just make it watch Cole Beasley for six years and then it spits out. They're overthinking the fuck out of yeah. this man. No, no, what they need is they need like a fan policeman there. His like name is Josh. He's wearing like an oversized Donovan McNabb jersey that's gone through the wash too many times, and the fives like faded off of it. He, you know, he drinks muscle milk but doesn't work out. You know that that kind of guy. And he's just there, and it's like, okay, so our uh, our computer algorithms have said that Cole Beasley is an uh, eighty six wide receiver, and he's like, nah, 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 nah. seventy eight. Bump him down. I don't know what the computer said, but nah, 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 nah. he's just seventy eight. Uh, all right, Hank. And all you got to do is pay, right, cool, cool, you pay him like $15 an hour. That's it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's the best job you ever had. Best job you ever had. Best job Hank's ever had. And, and it's the best thing you ever did as as uh, EA, as a company. Yep. It's the best thing you've ever did. And, and it's that easy. It, it, you do, Like I said, they're overthinking the shit out of this. You don't have to do all these formulas. Because any football fan can look at these guys and, and give you a number that's respectable. Like it's that easy. Mm. It's that fucking yep. easy. You, you, I'll give you the number and then you put it into your little categories to make him play that way on the game. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You made, made the puppet dance. Yeah, that's, that's all. all your job is to make the puppet dance. That's all. You guys are stepping out of your fucking boundaries. Like you said, all you got to do is ask some regular Joe Schmo fan. He can give you all these numbers. It's not that hard. No. Well, he should at least be there to fucking call bullshit on Cole Beasley and Ryan Tannehill. And what are some other ones that are dog shit here? So do you do you Justin th- Herbert at 80 kind of drives? Yeah, me that one. That one bothered me, too. Um, that one really bothered me. But do you know? Yeah. How, do you actually know, like, how these numbers are acquired? 
I, I, I don't, but I assume it's something like, so they probably paid like $200,000 for to license an algorithm that calculates. Yeah. So what I saw from last year before I got too bored of last year's hard knocks, God, it was boring. But anyway, during like one of the episodes, the batting guys came out to training camp and they come out, yeah. they come out there with all their gear and cameras and bullshit. And that's, and that's like the scouting. So they like scout like they're fucking mm-hmm. part of a, you know, an organization. So it's like, who are, and I don't know their credentials. I'm not trying to knock them or anything, but mm. I don't know if it's like outsourced guys like EA uh, hires them or their actual EA staff. I, I don't remember, but that's how they do it. So the, it, it, I, something's wrong though. That's my point. Some, something's wrong. I, I don't know what it is. I have a lot of guesses of what it could be, but they're missing. I don't know. I don't know if it's the people are not qualified to do that or if it's like, okay, we figured out what type of player this is based on two days of training camp. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. So I very briefly last year when I was watching rookie films got into um, like writing rookie rookie scores because mm-hmm. I, I read about a bunch about like how uh, – you know, Matt Miller does it and how Daniel Jeremiah do, did it and how Bucky Brooks did it. And I'm like, I want to try it. So like I sat down and tried to do it and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it so much. I understand why they do it because they have to keep track of 200 people. And like if someone's a 7.8 and someone's a 7.4 and you're deciding who to draft, like it's important that you have those guys scored out in a certain right. way. Like I, I get why teams do it. However, as a grown person in his own home, <laughs> uh, watching Henry Ruggs tape uh, on his computer, me sitting here watching it, going, mm, "Yes, seven. <laughs> just feels really fucking stupid to me. Like it's just like me like balancing my notebook on my gut, <laughs> watching this like super." athletic person climb the ladder pull a ball away from another super athletic person and go hmm that's pretty good but eight like that just it makes me feel gross and weird and takes something i should enjoy and makes it stupid and dirty so like i I hate that and i kind of hate the same thing with them going to raiders camp last year and going hmm no seven (laughs) like just like that just seems very dumb to me like if they were like there has to be more actual math. Absolutely. Math. And it's just it's just so it's insulting. It's insulting. Mm-hmm. It's like who the fuck are you to judge this this physical specimen on on a 1 to 10 scale on it, yeah. it, it is preposterous. You're 100% right. But I mean yeah. anyway, it doesn't take away from these fucking these fucked up numbers, man. They're absolutely mm-hmm. egregious and and they will get roasted this year, like no question. No, it, it and they should. And like I just I, I, it's one of those things that like it's an argument I generally excuse myself from unless I control one control one of you fuckers about it because I, I, I just I just really don't care about it. But like I, I even I will admit that they're all wrong and dumb. Right. Yeah, it, it's specifically like what more did Justin Herbert have to do? And you gave him an 80. Like if you had thrown forty touchdowns, would you have cranked that up to an eighty-four? <laughs> like I, 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 I don't, I don't understand the disconnect there, or, or like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't know. Well, well, well it, I think like to to get meta about it is what what makes it even more 
you know, frustrating is that Madden is, is supposed to be the ultimate NFL simulator. And with that mm-hmm. comes accuracy. And when, when you're already starting off on the wrong foot of, of non-accurate, non-accuracy, it's like, okay, who cares anymore? Because you're, you miss the foundation of what we needed to build an accurate found, you know, an accurate mm-hmm. progression. It's like you, you fucked up at the lowest level. So nothing else can be accurate, you know, like you're, you're starting off wrong. So nothing else matters in this simulation. Like, so it just becomes a, basically a pickup arcade game at this point, which is not what Madden is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, a true football game experience. Well, it's like, and that's why them holding all the keys to the license sucks. Still just Fucking breaks sucks. my heart. I, I still, one of my favorite video games ever is NFL 2K5. It's one of the best it football is, games ever, man. It's, it's one of the best games. Yeah. Ever. Like it, the amount of things that game lets you do with the sport and as a roster manager and as a fan is completely absurd. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, just the idea that you can build your own mansion and collect sports memorabilia is obviously a very big deal to me yeah it's awesome but like yeah but it's incredibly insane and you can build your own favorite team and design it and then play it against other celebrities favorite teams and you click bobbleheads you have a trophy room where your achievements pop up as physical trophies and and as a sim it's better you can more directly control player movement and speed and it's like it's and now madden is here fucking Hi, Colby's is an eighty-six. Oh, thanks, dude. This is where this is the worst possible future. All that's Thank all you. that stuff you named sounded really fun, like a good time, but doesn't even rival me paying them paying them an additional hundred dollars for my all Madden team or whatever the fuck. That, that now that seems like a good time where where I'm paying like, more money to basically get shit that should already be in the game that I, or or just have a progress a fun progression system to allow me to get these things. But now I'm just gonna pay a lot more money and then just have an awesome stack team that way i can play online against other people that paid a lot of money all right listen aj that uh that that product that you described there that sounds real good but let's listen listen to me johnny madden here explain to you why this product is better listen last year you spent 60 bucks on the same game anyway that was great that was ps4 versus ps5 so you pay me 70 now <laughs> and uh or you can pay me 100 and it comes in a little metal case and then you get a little code you put in there and you get three more imaginary cards in it to play the imaginary <laughs> card game inside the video game that's already not real um <laughs> anyway cole beasley's in 86 you know, it was a great time 86 86 that does sound fun <laughs> guy gets it and the best part is you're going to start your bills franchise mode in there and you have a way overpowered cole beasley that you're going to feed and feed and feed and then the week five update is going to come out when he's only caught four passes all year and they're going to knock him down to a 75 you're going to have to adjust yeah you're going to have to adjust on the fly because your imaginary pocket dimension bills team has now been neutered for no fucking good reason Jesus, if only there was a quick way to get out of this bind. Here's my wallet. Can you do anything with this? Uh, yeah, no. Wait, in 12 months, I'll have a fix for you, and then you can pay me $70 <laughs> to buy the fixed version of the game where Cole Beasley is the right rating. <laughs> Those games are just a slap in the face, man. They're, they're, a, uh, they're a literally a fucking scam. They're a scam, yeah. They, they're a scam. They're a scam. Well, thanks again, all you hot boys and girls out there for joining us on the episode of Football Hot Boys. 
Um, next week, there might or might not be a show. Uh, because your hottest boy AJ isn't there to drive the ship, who knows what'll happen? So uh, I won't be there. Maybe these scrubs will figure out a way to talk about football. I don't know. We'll see. So if you get one next week, it's a bonus. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you go over to the Facebook page, which is currently popping, and uh, with all the all of the ja- the Jazzer size content you could possibly want. Uh, I did lose my mind a little bit this past week and was posting nothing but Jazzer size for about. 72 hours straight. Uh, so definitely go, <laughs> definitely go check that out. Um, also, let, you know, if you're enjoying the show, let your friends know about it and go ahead and rate and like it on all your podcast listening, podcast listening devices. Um, and also, if you guys have questions or things you want us to talk about uh, on the show, either hit me up on Twitter at Wisco Coonsie or go over to the Facebook page and send us a message. Uh, and we'll, if we get enough of that, we'd love to do some sort of mailbag or listener questions uh, segment. Uh, so go ahead and start rolling those up and, and we'll start saving them for the start of the year. Uh, and uh, anything else you want to say before we leave here, Clark? No, man, that was well said. Yep, just mm-hmm. let us know if you guys need anything, man. We are full of answers. <laughs> yeah. You need a glass of water or anything? Uh, do I could... Shoulder rub? Warm yeah, 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 exactly. We got you. <laughs> we got whatever you need. <laughs> All right. Uh, until next week, stay hot there, boys and girls. Peace.